Welcome back. It's the Mouth and Off show presented by Mouth and Off Sports. I am your, apparently your new temporary host of Mouth and Off show, Ryan Brown, alongside my new partner in crime, Jonathan Sullivan. Jonathan, how we doing? Doing well, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. Mouth and Off. Apparently, we're changing it to the RJ show for the foreseeable future. Hope to get Zach and Diaz back in the fold here soon. Um, but for now, it'll just be the RJ show. Uh, but we're going to do our usual mouth and off uh, hits. We're going to give you our fantasy love, fantasy hate, and our mortal locks for the week. And we're going to recap the week that was in week eight. And we're going to talk about upcoming week nine matchups. So let's let's start with the week that was in the NFL week eight. And let's start with our New England Patriots. Jonathan, we talked about how the the matchup going to LA was a, a defining moment for their season in some ways, because sitting going into the matchup at three and four, either they were going to fall to three and five and kind of be in a similar situation to last year where the season kind of felt like a lost cause, or you pick up a big road win against a potential playoff team and you move back to 500 and you put yourself back in the mix for trying to push for a playoff spot in the second half of the season here. And that's what the Patriots did. They pick up a 27, 24 win on the road in Los Angeles, Uh, a solid game all around uh mac jones did enough he didn't make no touchdowns but no interceptions only sacked once threw for 218 yards on 18 completions for for 35 attempts uh the running game was back in full effect damian harris had 80 yards and a touchdown the team ran for a total of 141 yards for the game and defensively uh, I think they did just enough. I know we've talked about how they've been bend and break when it matters the most. Uh, but in this one, we didn't get that. Um, so, Jonathan, give me your initial takeaways from Patriots Chargers. Well, it was definitely – it was nice to see the Patriots finally win a close game. I feel like every time this season, whether it be Tampa Bay or Dallas or Miami – it's like it comes down, can go either way, and the Patriots found a way to lose. Um, this past Sunday, they finally found a way to win. Um, you know, the defense, I thought it was the defense's best showing. I wasn't really that impressed with the defense, as we talked about before. I was less impressed than you, Ryan, um, through the first couple weeks of the season. But even, like, the picks the picks, and, like, a pick six, like, makes you, like, really think about, like, the defense. But, like, I just thought – even if they hadn't had the, you know, the pick six, which is like that, that's more to do with like luck and the location of where you catch the ball and stuff like that. But I thought the run, the run defense was good, even though like, you know, Eckler's going to get his and stuff, but I thought Herbert really explosive that offense. They, they held Mike Williams in check and uh, I was impressed. I was impressed by the performance of the defense for sure. The offense will shaky. Um, you know, the red zone struggles continue. That's not something that's really changed. I would have liked to see it be a little bit better than it is now. You know, the first two or three weeks, it was, you say, oh, it's getting better. And now it's week eight and it's still not like all that great. Um, but uh, um, quality win. You got some momentum. You got to keep it going this week. 
Yeah, the stats offensively from the passing attack, once again, modest at the best. Uh, but if they're able to consistently run for 140, 150 yards a game, then all you really need is a, a modest passing attack and a quarterback that doesn't that takes care of the ball and doesn't hand the ball away. And that's what Mac Jones did in this one. So yet you'll take it. I mean, I still am waiting for that that breakout game because uh, throwing for 300 yards and a bunch of touchdowns against the Jets that that doesn't I don't, I'm not counting that but I'm I'm really waiting for that one big explosive game from Mac Jones against a quality opponent but like I said we'll take the win Patriots get back to 500 and now they're in position where if they can pick up string some wins together here maybe they become a factor in the postseason race. Uh, but in terms of other options, in terms of uh, other games, rather, this past Sunday on Halloween, uh, what was one game that stood out to you, Jonathan? Um, I was impressed by the Pittsburgh Steelers, honestly. I thought they were like they were dead. Um. You know, the way they had looked against some teams the last couple of weeks, it was like, yuck. Like, I mean, they they were not looking good. Big Ben, you thought he was toast. He was over the hill. And he still might be, honestly. But, you know, Cleveland, it was like, everything's coming up Cleveland. Like, um, they're playing better. You know, this is Cleveland's division. Not Cleveland's division, but, like, Pittsburgh's in the doghouse. Like, Cleveland finally's got them. And it's just like, nope. Ben Roethlisberger still finds ways to win against the Browns. And it's just the Steelers reminding you that they're still, you know, I wouldn't call them a great football team, but they're still a decent football team. And I think Cleveland is is in trouble. And anyone that thought, you know, at the beginning of the year that Cleveland was trending up and Pittsburgh was trending down, which I think was like the general mantra like a couple of weeks ago, is it's kind of flipped. I feel like both of them are kind of like middlers now. And um, that's good news, I guess, for the Steelers and bad news for, for the Browns. Um, and it'll be interesting for the Patriots because, you know, this isn't a Patriots-focused um, podcast, but the Patriots do play the Browns in, in a couple weeks. And it's, um, it's good news for them that the Browns are probably seemingly trending in the wrong direction. But it was just I was impressed that Pittsburgh was able to go on the road and get a win in Cleveland when they were uh, dogs. I... I have to agree with you there. I've been, you know, I've been down on Big Ben and the Steelers from day one coming into this season. And to see them at four and three is kind of shocking to me. Uh, but they're finding ways to win gritty games. And if <laughs> you can't, it's kind of similar to the Patriots in a way, in terms of they're not putting up gaudy numbers, they're not putting up a lot of points, but they are finding ways to win some games here and there. And ultimately that's the name of the game. And if they can keep that up, then yeah, maybe the Steelers will, we'll be talking about the Steelers being a potential playoff team uh, towards the end of the year. I'm not, I'm still not sold on them whatsoever. Um, I, I, but I, I'm willing to at least see the fact that they are definitely playing somewhat well and they're winning football games. So credit to them uh one one game that i want to talk about 
is Bucks Saints. And I think it's pretty obvious why. And it's because the Saints, they lose Jameis Winston halfway through that game to a torn ACL. And Trevor Simeon, their third string quarterback, comes in because uh, Taysom Hill still out with a concussion. Trevor Simeon comes in and he is able to keep the offense afloat. Tom Brady throws for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns, and they still, the Buccaneers still lose to the Saints in this one, 36 to 27. I don't know if this speaks more to the fact that the Saints are just resilient and this is a team that we should, that the NFC should be afraid of. Or if this speaks to more of the Bucks and how that they are still a vulnerable team, and even though they're the defending champions and they were six and one coming into this matchup, uh, they still are vulnerable to some clunkers uh, in terms of defensively. Yeah, I mean, I think going off that that what you just said there, Ryan, is you know the New Orleans did go two and zero against the Bucks last year in the regular season. Mm-hmm. including a win in week one um, against the Bucs, and then a blowout, a, an absolute blowout, if you recall, last year on Sunday night in Tampa Bay, when the Bucs, I believe they fell to 7-5 and five or something after that game. Yep. And people were like, I think the Bucs might not have it. And then Tom Brady, of course, did his thing, and, of course, the Bucs did have it. But, you know, what? It is, it is kind of weird. You know, New Orleans kind of does have a – Sean Payton has always performed well against Tom Brady, even going back to New England. They, um, a couple years, like 10 years ago, when they played in the Dome, I remember they got blown out. And then you had the game when they came up to New England and the Tom Brady should have lost to Sean Payton. And he made that miraculous comeback when he throws the pass to Kembrell Tompkins in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Um, so Sean Payton's always performed well against Tom Brady. He's kind of, you know, he's probably the second best coach in the NFL, um, arguably, or third. You know, say so he's somewhere in the top three to five. And um, he game plans well against Tom Brady. I thought, I feel like everyone probably thought that when New Orleans kicked that field goal with like a minute 40 left, that Brady was going to come down the field and win the game. And they threw the pick six, which was, which was stunning, honestly. It's just something that you don't really see out of uh, Brady. But I wouldn't put, you know. I wouldn't put too much stock into it because I think, you know, when push comes to shove on a, in the playoffs, you're still probably going to go with the Bucks over New Orleans, but New Orleans is a good team. You know, they're, they're, you know, it doesn't really matter. It seems like who they put at QB They're uh, They're always in at the end of games. Yep. Uh, and then another one that I want to talk about real quickly and that I kind of highlighted last week on the show, Cincinnati Bengals, man. We, we, we were in agreement that this was a trap game for them coming out, coming off of that high beating Baltimore down. And what do they go out and do? They blow a fourth quarter lead to the New York Jets and they lose on the road 34 to 31. Yeah. They allow, I, uh, just go ahead, Jonathan. This was, this one was just an easy. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I, I was. When we were talking last week, I thought it was a letdown spot for the Bengals um, because they were double-digit favorites that they might not cover. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people were surprised that they didn't cover. That was kind of the spot for them not to cover. But I was stunned that they lost outright to the Jets. And Mike White 
is literally better than Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Mike White throwing for 400 yards in this one when I don't think Zach Wilson has come even close to that. No, uh, it was the first time in 20 years the Jets quarterback threw for 400 yards. That's that's just incredible. Which is crazy considering what the league is now. Yeah, Michael Carter, uh, I think he's going to have a lot of petitioning to the offensive coordinator to keep Mike White as the quarterback. He had, I think, double-digit targets out of the backfield. 14. He had nine receptions, and then to go along with 15 carries for 77 yards. And he a had touchdown 32 fantasy points. Yeah. Mike, Mike Carter wants Mike White as his quarterback. I can tell you that much, um, for at least for fantasy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, good showing here by Mike White and the Jets. Uh, but uh, – I wasn't too, too surprised. I was a little surprised in the fact that, like you said, they lost completely outright, but I'm not surprised that the Bengals slept walk through this one and hopefully they'll wake up and bounce back. But if not, um, well, can't really say you're surprised. It's the Cincinnati Bengals uh, after all. And finally, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't make note of the Sunday night game. The Dallas Cowboys pick up a win on the road without Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush gets the start on the road in Minnesota. And Cooper Rush throws for over 302 touchdowns and only one interception. So he looked pretty good, not at least not bad, and keeps the Cowboys' uh, winning streak going. And for Minnesota, I mean, this was a big chance for them to move above 500 to move to four and three against a team starting a backup quarterback and they just blew it. I I just not a good showing from Minnesota whatsoever, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Just, it's just a massive letdown for them. Just, you can't lose to Cooper rush, um, you know, in prime time trying to get back to 500, like you said, just Kirk Cousins doing Kirk, Kirk Cousin things. He's just, so bad. He's so yes. bad in prime time. I think they were saying after the, the game went off the air on the post game that uh, Kirk Cousins is like eight and like 17 or eight and 20 uh, mm-hmm. in prime time games. That's just terrible. That is yeah. awful. He is. He's just not it. I mean, he is not it. And Dalvin Cook, um, you know, he really did nothing too coming off the bye. You know, he he had been injured a little bit at the beginning of this year, had a big game in Carolina um, before they went to the bye, and then he finished with single-digit fantasy points. You know, he's a guy that should be getting, you know, he should be averaging over, like, you know, he should be a guy that's averaging over 100 scrimmage yards um, a week if they want to have a If he's healthy, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, not good for Minnesota because they started out hot in that one. And then the offense just completely disappeared from like late in the second quarter on just nowhere to be found, but let's move on to week nine Patriots. It's now sitting at four and four. We'll head to Carolina to take on another four and four team in the Panthers uh, this matchup is interesting for a couple of reasons. I think most notably, 
Uh, it's a Stephen Gilmore revenge game. And yes, I did say Stephen. Uh, Jonathan, give me your thoughts coming into the Patriots and Panthers in week nine. This is a game the Patriots should win. This is a game the Patriots must win if they want to put together some real momentum and become a, a wild card team because that's what the ceiling is for the Patriots this year. It's, it's to be one of those wild card teams. Your Buffalo is winning. Buffalo is winning the AFC East. Okay, let's let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, the agreed. Patriots are not winning the AFC East, but I think now being at four and four, you look across this, the landscape of the league. And you say, man, they got a real chance to make the playoffs. There's no one really that's pulling away. You know, the it's not like the NFC, the NFC where they have three teams that are are seven and one, I think, with the Packers, Cardinals, and Rams. There's the best team, the number one team in the AFC right now is the Tennessee Titans, who just lost their best player for the season. Maybe the arguably the most valuable player in the whole league. Basically makes everything go in Tennessee. And the opportunity is there for the Patriots to put together a little run. And Carolina is a team that started off hot. They've really come back to earth. Um, Bill Belichick knows Sam Darnold. He's coached against him from when he was on the Jets. Obviously, you have that infamous quote of Sam Darnold was seen ghosts on Monday night against the Patriots in 2019. And I expect Belichick to game plan well for Sam Darnold. Um, I don't expect a ton in the passing attack from him. What I am nervous about and something that has hurt the Patriots for as long as I can remember is the running quarterback. Sam Darnold thinks he's like Lamar Jackson this year. Um, and he's, he's running a lot. So it will be interesting to see how they game plan to that because the Patriots linebackers, you know, guys like that are not very fast. I would expect this to be a, a very big game for Kyle Duggar because uh, he's not, great in the passing attack i would imagine that he would be more like a like a spy almost on on darnold if he's going to take off because he's a athletic hybrid um you know big safety there and caroline's defense is good for sure they got a good secondary but this is where you got to see the patriots that they had the last week and that they're building and the patriots that they were supposed to be coming into the year where to run to set up the pass not pass to set up the run. And that's how they played last week, I thought. That's how they played against the Jets, obviously. Um, and that was that's what they were supposed to be on paper. And that's what they're kind of started to become the last couple of weeks. And I think if they stick to their game plan um, and, you know, put up whatever 21 to 28 points, like it seems like they do, you know, every week somewhere in that vicinity, except when they play the Jets, of course, that Carolina's offense isn't good enough to compete. And they should be able to win comfortably by, you know, 10 points or so would, would be my um, hope and expectations. Yeah. New England's favored by four uh, currently as we record on this Tuesday evening. Uh, so uh, a double digit win would be very much welcomed. Uh, the Patriots are three, you on the road this year. Uh, so they'll be looking to keep that squeaky clean sheet intact. Uh I would be interested to see what the defensive game plan is for the Patriots. Yes, Sam Donald thinks he is Lamar Jackson with all these rushing touchdowns of late, but his decision-making when he throws the ball has been very suspect, uh, as you mentioned, 
over the past month or so. I'm interested to see if uh, Belichick's game plan is going to be to just take DJ Moore completely out of the equation and force somebody else to beat him. Do they hone in on a potentially returning Christian McCaffrey and say, nope, you're not getting anything and we'll deal with whatever through the air? Because last week against the Chargers, they seemed content to just let Eckler and Keenan get theirs, but not in big chunks. And then, like you said, shut down Mike Williams. So I wonder what the game plan will be going against the Panthers this week. Now, looking across the week nine slate, there are some interesting matchups abound. Uh, Most notably is the Chiefs begin a stretch where for the next, I believe it's seven or eight weeks, they play teams that are either 500 or better currently. And that's the easily the hardest strength of schedule during that stretch uh, in the NFL. And it starts with a home matchup with the Green Bay Packers. The Chiefs just barely beat the Giants last night on Monday Night Football to cap off week eight. Now they have to turn around on a short week and play the Packers late afternoon. Uh, Packers will, I, they're, they've coming off of uh, a little bit of a mini buy, having played Thursday night in Arizona. What are your thoughts coming into this one? Do you like the Packers uh, to take care of business against the Chiefs on the road? Or do you think the Chiefs will finally start to put some, some things together and put together a complete game against the Packers? Well, let me tell you. The NFL giving Green Bay uh, back-to-back weeks at Arizona at Kansas City is a is a tough you know is a tough call for them, especially going into this season. Um, you know, it looks a little bit easier now because Kansas City hasn't been playing good. But I mean, those wow, like back-to-back weeks, those are tough places to play against tough teams, especially one on the short week. But uh, honestly, I I just feel like this is the classic game where. Green Bay comes off a big win last week against an undefeated team where everyone thought they were going to lose. And then this week they're playing against a team that everyone thinks they're probably going to, you know, they should be, they're going to win because Kansas city's down and green Bay is seven and one. They've won every week since week one. And this is the spot where I think Kansas city comes out and wins. I, I think Kansas city wins this game probably close, but you know, green Bay, like I said, those two back-to-back weeks, I just don't expect them to get out undefeated. Um, two hard road matchups. Arrowhead's a tough place to play. I know that the Giants almost won, and the Giants were terrible last night, but I think I just I can't bet against Kansas City at home um, in a game that they know it's probably like a, a season-defying game. You know, you lose and you're really – going starting to go in the spiral, as you mentioned, with this tough streak, you win and you're right back on track. Um, so I, I do think Kansas City will find a way to pull this one out. Yeah, as soon as I saw the line on this one, Green Bay get, being spotted two and a half points, I that's immediately what I thought, Jonathan, was last week how we talked about how uh, Green Bay wasn't really expected to beat Arizona down their top three receivers, and they found a way to win this week. They get they get Lazard back. They're probably going to get uh, Devonte Adams back, but that hasn't been confirmed yet, to my uh, knowledge. And they're coming into this week 
uh, with the clear better record, but being spotted points for whatever reason. Uh, this just feels like the game where Kansas City shouldn't win, but they will win. So I am in full agreement on you there. Uh, if I'm picking, I'm definitely leaning Chiefs just for that reason. Um, another big matchup on the Sunday slate is on Sunday night football. You've got the Tennessee Titans at six and two traveling to LA to take on the seven and one Rams. Obviously, the dynamic of this matchup has changed drastically over the past 24 to 48 hours. As you mentioned earlier in the show, Jonathan, no Derrick Henry had to undergo foot surgery. He is done for the rest of the season. In comes Adrian Peterson. He's signed to the practice squad. Don't know if he'll be ready to go quite yet for this matchup, uh, how long he'll he'll need to get up to speed. Uh, so that completely changes things for the Titans. Uh, I think the odds makers are giving L.A. Uh, some points here because of that injury, as L.A. is currently a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Uh, if, if L.A.'s offense is clicking in this one, now they, they add Vaughn Miller on to defense at the deadline. I mean, this is, this is just an uber-talented, just gushing with talent across the board on all, both offense and defense. Uh, I, I find it very hard for the Titans to keep up with the Rams, Sands, Derrick Henry. What, what do you feel about this one, Jonathan? Oh, I agree. I think this game could get away from Tennessee very easily, especially if the Rams start like they've been starting games and Tennessee, you know, I could easily see Tennessee go three and out, three and out or something like that. And you snap your fingers and it's 14, nothing with four minutes to go in the first quarter. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he's kind of had a resurgence as people, you know, have said it since he left Miami and Tennessee, but this, this is his team. Now, this is no longer the Derrick Henry led Titans. This is the Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he will dictate how this team plays now. And let's see if he, if he is this, you know, borderline franchise quarterback that I feel like he's played like the last couple seasons. Um, you know, I don't, I don't expect it to look good for Tennessee um, because I did say Derrick Henry is probably arguably the MVP through the first half or less than half of the season, but we'll have to see Sunday. I don't have high expectations for Tennessee. I think the Rams might, might be the best team in the league. They might be, if you know, if you were to pick who's, who would I say is going to win the Super Bowl in week going into week nine, it might be the Rams. Um, and the way they're playing, Matthew Stafford is playing like a borderline MVP and they're clicking. Yep. I'm totally in agreement with you there. Um, I, I do hope for a close game, just it being the Sunday night game. Um, but yeah, Ryan Tannehill has to step his game up. He's getting paid the money to be a franchise quarterback. And now he's got much more of a burden to bear with Derrick Henry out of, of the picture. Uh, so yeah, the Titans will go only as far as Ryan Tannehill will carry them. Uh, Jonathan, before we get into our fantasy love, fantasy hate, and our mortal locks, give me one more game that we haven't really touched on that you're looking forward to 
this week. So I'm actually looking forward to um, Arizona at San Francisco. San Francisco is coming off a win. Um, Arizona is coming off a loss. But these are two teams that were seemingly going in opposite directions. Arizona was the last undefeated team. San Francisco was two and two and five, I want to say, coming into last week. Um, and Arizona loses to Green Bay, minus all their receivers, as we mentioned. San Francisco picks up a good win in Chicago, although I think the Bears stink. And this is a this is a basically if San Francisco wants to have any chance of contending they have to win this game because the nfc west is completely loaded um seattle just got is getting russell wilson back so they're going to be a better team now and it's probably the best division in football and san francisco has to win and arizona if they lose they've probably lost the division they own they do own the tiebreaker with the rams right now but it seems like, you know, the Rams, the way they've loaded up, the team that wins that division, Arizona or the Rams, is probably going to be like 15 and two or 14 and three or something like that. And Arizona's going to keep moving or they're going to find themselves in the wild card spot pretty, pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, especially if they played like they did last week against Green Bay. Um, so it's, it's two, it's a big game for both teams. You know, you wouldn't look at it on paper and say, oh, the seven and one Cardinals, this is a huge game for them. But this is a huge game for them because the way the division is trending. Yeah, they need to bounce back just to be able to stay on on track with the Rams, keep up with them, and bounce back on track after that loss. I mean, it's a game that really they shouldn't have lost. Uh, They should have been able to find a way to win. The offense just wasn't able to get anything going really on offense. Kyler Murray held no touchdowns whatsoever. one game I am looking at uh, that we haven't touched on yet is the Falcons and the Saints. And there's kind of stories on both sides here. The Falcons last week looked terrible on offense, but I wonder if part of the reason was because for the second time in three games, Calvin Ridley was a late scratch due to personal reasons. And we found out during the game that he is taking an indefinite leave of absence from the game of football to work on his mental health. So uh, hopefully he will be able to sort things out in his life uh, sooner rather than later and get back onto the football field and help his teammates out. But for now, Calvin Ridley is out of the picture for the Falcons on offense. And you saw what that kind of offense looks like without him. And it's the answer is it's not that good. Um, I wonder if the late scratch played a part into the fact that the game plan probably uh, included him to some degree. Uh, I don't know how what well, they clearly weren't able to pivot on the fly if so. Um, but I'm curious to see if the Falcons offense can get back on track without Calvin Ridley. And then on the opposite side, you have the Saints. We mentioned pick up a big win at home against the Bucks. Now, no Jameis Winston. You're probably getting Taysom Hill back from a concussion. If not, it's Trevor, Trevor Simeon, your third string guy. Again, can 
whoever it is, whether it's Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon, can they keep the offense afloat uh, for the rest of the year? And this will be a good starting point against a Falcons defense that isn't that good in terms of whether or not they can make the offense work. Yes, there's still no Michael Thomas, and who knows when that they'll get him back. Um, so you're really just relying on Alvin Kamara. Uh, but if you can if you can get some of these other guys, Traquan Smith involved, uh, then perhaps the Saints offense can can do enough lean on that defense and continue to win football games. But I'm very interested to see whoever it is, whether it's Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon, see how they play over the course of an entire game at quarterback. Okay. All right. So without further ado, I think it's time we get into our picks for week nine. Let's get things going with our fantasy love. Jonathan, get us going. Who's your fantasy love for week nine? My fantasy love for week nine is coming out of the tight end position. It is, did you know, fantasy football's number four tight end, Mike Gusecki. I love his matchup this week. They're playing the Texans. These are two bad teams. Um, I think the, the Dolphins are pretty bad. I think the Texans are really bad. And I think this is a get-right game for the Dolphins. I think they're going to score a fair amount of points. I mean, you just saw what the Rams did last week just completely destroyed the Texans defense. Um, they're 27th against the tight end this year. And I think Mike Gusecki is basically turning into two as, you know, blanket. Um, he's put up together some nice weeks. And I just like the spot. I really like the spot. I think Miami's going to put up a lot of points. Tennis, uh, Houston, excuse me, Houston's terrible. And um, Gusecki is a tight end one right now. I mean, he's the number four tight end, as I mentioned. He's clearly... Um, a tight end one and for where he was drafted um, you've gotten great value out of him yeah I'm also going uh, looking at the tight end position uh, I'm gonna look at Jared Cook though and the reason he is my fantasy love this week is not because of what he's done it's what he has the potential to do this week he's had a really rough go at it so far in LA he's only had two games of at least 30 receiving yards through seven games and only two touchdowns so he's been pretty bad. He's been basically a borderline tight end two. Uh, however, <coughs> this matchup here going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, that's a defense that before last week had given up a tight end touchdown in five straight games. Last week that came to a close, but TJ Hawkinson had 10 catches for 88 yards. So that's still a big game. Um, so the, the Eagles have just been abysmal on defense. Uh, they've also allowed 50-plus receiving yards to tight ends in six of their eight games. So I think if there's any week for Jared Cook to pop off, it's going to be this week. And he's still available in a decent amount of ESPN leagues. He's available in 43% of them. So if for some reason you're nursing an injury – to a tight end or your tight ends on a bye week and you're looking for a potential one week fill in. I think Jared cook is a reasonable option to stream uh, whether it be daily fantasy or just for a one week fill in. Uh, Zach's fantasy love this week is Tim Patrick, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Uh, he's 
clearly expecting Teddy Bridgewater to have a good game here and look Tim Patrick's way early and often uh, against a Cowboys team that uh, for the most part is while they do have a lot of playmakers in the secondary, they do let up a bunch of yards. Uh, so that could lend itself if this is somehow turned into a shootout. I don't expect a shootout in this one, um, but if, if it were to turn into a shootout uh, with Noah Fant out, Tim Patrick would have to be the guy. Now let's move on to fantasy hate. Jonathan, who do you hate in fantasy this week? My fantasy hate this week is coming off a game that we talked about a little bit. And this guy's coming off a monster week last week, but it's A.J. Brown. I think that without Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown is going to be obviously circled, you know, circle, 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 A.J. Brown for the Rams. This is the guy that we got to stop. Julio Jones missed last week with a hamstring injury. I don't know if he's going to play this week, but if he, even if he does, he's he's got lingering injuries. He seems like seems like Atlanta made the right decision there because it seems like Julio Jones is completely washed. And no Derrick Henry means A.J. Brown is going to be focused. That Rams defense, they just added Von Miller. You know, they're going to get after Tannehill quickly. He's probably going to get matched up with Jalen Ramsey. And if Julio Jones doesn't play, I really don't know who else Tennessee has on their offense that would, you know, make you nervous. Um, you know, they don't have John Smith anymore. Their tight ends, uh, like Pruitt, I think is his name. He's nothing special. Yep. And Adrian Peterson is so far over the hill that I, I really don't expect much out of Adrian Peterson. I might be wrong. Maybe he's touches the fountain of youth, but I do not suspect much. I think AJ Brown is just going to get basically, basically certainly double teamed, if not triple teamed at times in the Sunday night game. Um, and they're gonna the Rams are just gonna be going to beg the Titans to let someone else beat them besides AJ Brown. So you, you know, the town's there. He's a guy that you gotta start if you got him, especially coming off last week. But I would temper your expectations for you know flex level production, not stud wide receiver one like you're accustomed to with AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. Zach's fantasy hate this week is Cleo Herbert, the running back for the Chicago Bears. He does not have a good matchup this week on a road matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are the sixth stingiest defense for fantasy running backs to go up against. They've only allowed two running back scores all season and only two running back groups to go over the 100-yard mark. So, uh, he definitely does not have high hopes for Khalil Her- Herbert in this one. My fantasy hate this week is also another tight end, and it's in the same matchup as Zach's fantasy love, and that is Dalton Schultz, the tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, unlike Jared Cook, Schultz has had a great season to this point. However, Last week, he was not able to get on the same page with Cooper Rush whatsoever. Only had two catches for 11 yards on seven targets. So that that's just one you want to just forget about. Even if Dak Prescott returns and he's able to get the quarterback that he's clicked with so well this year, Denver's defense has only allowed three tight end groups to go for over 30 receiving yards total. And they haven't allowed 
a tight end score all season. So whether it's Cooper Rush for one more week or Dak Prescott is back behind center, I think if you're, you've got to start Dalton Schultz if you have him because you probably don't have many other better options. But like Jonathan said, with uh, his fantasy hate, you got to temper your expectations. Uh, just like for AJ Brown, you got to temper it for Dalton Schultz this week. It's a bad matchup. And either Cooper Rush is, is your quarterback and they don't have a, a good sort of repertoire with each other, or it's Dak Prescott coming back off of an injury. Don't know how close to 100% he'll be in a bad matchup. Um, so I would temper those expectations for Dalton Schultz. Now let's get into our mortal locks. Uh, Zach is going with the LA Chargers minus two and a half. And they are going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. So he's got Chargers minus two and a half on the road. West Coast team going east against the Eagles. Yes, the Eagles did just beat the Lions 44 to six, but they've been pretty trash outside of that. Um, so I don't hate the pick there. What do you, what do you feel about Zach's pick, Jonathan? Well, this goes back to a couple of years ago, but you know how I feel about the left coast team coming East for the one o'clock. Oh, actually <sighs> sands cut this part. That's actually a four o'clock game. I'm pretty sure it is. So that That's does, why I that does favor the, <laughs> that does favor the chargers. Um, you know, I don't hate it. Um, Philly's coming off a nice win against the worst team in football and the Chargers need to get right game. You know, I, I like the pick, um, but basically every time I think the Eagles are going to lose, they win. And every time I think the Eagles are going to win, they get blown out. Yep. So they're just one of those teams that I just, I can never figure out. So whatever I say, I'm not even going to say what I think is going to happen because it will, I can guarantee you the opposite will happen with the Eagles. Yeah, I feel like I've been in a similar boat with Philly every time that I, I want to pick them or get high on them bouncing back and getting sort of figuring things out. They just they just fall off the rails. So I'm not I'm going to I wouldn't touch that one either with a mortal lock pick. Uh, what I will do is I'm going to go for my mortal lock. Houston plus seven versus Miami. I know you said that you expect Miami to put up a lot of points uh, against the Houston defense, but I think Houston, if that's the case, will actually be able to keep up with them because Miami for their, for their own sake, hasn't done a whole lot better. And both, so both teams here have awful records, right? They're both one and seven, but if you're looking against the spread records, Houston is actually four and four, whereas Miami is two, five and one. So I expect a close game in this one. And which has been the case when either of these teams has faced similarly bad competition. So in a close game, you got to go with the team that's being given a touchdown on the spread. So I like Houston plus seven versus the Miami Dolphins this week. Who's your mortal lock of the week, Jonathan? Well, you ever heard the expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? I have heard that once or twice, but uh, remind me how that one goes. I am riding with the team that is undefeated on the road this year. 
And I'm once again riding with the New England Patriots. <laughs> minus four this week at Carolina. I think that once again, this sets up like a, this is a good spot for them. Um, you know, they're back home now. They can game plan. Um, Belichick, this is, a, this is a quarterback that, you know, just because they're going, they're crossing, com- crossing conferences. This is a quarterback that the Patriots have seen many times before. They know how he likes to play. They know what he likes to do. And I think the Patriots are starting to click. I just think Carolina will have a really tough time scoring against the Patriots defense. I think the Patriots will do enough on offense. As I mentioned before, Damian Harris is turning into what I think people thought he was going to look like at the in the preseason and in the training camp. And he didn't really look like in the first couple weeks of the season. It's coming on strong. And I mentioned earlier in this pod that I think that they can win this game by double digits. And as long as they win this game, if they win this game by double digits, like I think they could, they'll easily cover um, the four points. So I think they win by at least a touchdown and they, and they cover comfortably. All right. You know what? I'm with you on that. I I hope that's the case, obviously. Uh, But it, I will point out, and this is, I don't know, this really isn't that relevant, but I'm pretty sure the last time the Patriots went to Carolina was that infamous Monday night game. Yes, Rob Gronkowski maybe got held, maybe didn't get held in the end zone at the end. Brady, Belichick losing their minds at the officials as they run off the field uh, once the clock hit zero. Yeah, I, I do recall that being the most recent matchup between these two teams in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm not saying that it's going to be a similar outcome. I just think it's interesting to point out that it's been about seven or eight years uh, since that game took place back in, I want to say, 2013, 2014. Yeah, I, I know I, I was in high school. Um, you were probably in college, I guess. Maybe. Maybe irrelevant. Anywho, uh, I think that's going to do it for this edition of the RJ. I mean, mouth and off show. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts here, Jonathan, before we call it a wrap? Um, Henry Ruggs career is over and (laughs) I hope he goes to prison. Yeah, I think I'm going to second that. So, For Jonathan Sullivan, I am temporary host Ryan Brown. We'll see you next time. Go D.